1: there's no way that we can beat the mariner right <laughs> and the whole time i'm just like how ah. it's like this, this is this actually the last march. episode yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's,
2: all,
3: let's all start recording With that, Margaret rushes forward and she kisses you. And as that kiss starts, the pain fades away completely. You can feel a little bit Margaret stiffens in this, but her attention is still focused on this kiss and held on it. And the feeling that you have around your hand is suddenly so much less important than the emotions that you are processing right now. In this moment. And I think we come out of that shrine as Margaret and Travis are kissing. We come out of the safety and the warmth of that place and into the wind and the rain that is racking Nordia. We can see on the deck of Il Dio the crew that. Gable has gathered to help repair the helm is working hard at rigging up this large decorative plate in place of the helm. We can see over at the various staircases in Nordia water rushing about as Janet is ordering people about uh, to you know bring more things for the barricade and, and, and moving things around to prepare for an assault from Lower Nordia. Meanwhile, uh, we can see Adrian leading a congregation, a small congregation of worshipers over to the Uhuru to join the crew members and dock workers there to scrape the last bits of the skamalik off the hull of the uhuru and then we cross the landscape we cross the landscape and i think the frame around our camera darkens a little bit the image gets distorted and blurry and then quickly we see ryan lochte who is like squinting trying to look through this telescope and the spyglass and and realizes that, oh, water got on the end of it and kind of wipes that off and then looks through the spyglass once more and our vision is now cleared and we can see coming from the gray, red tinted mists emerging into the bay at Nordia, the first set of ships from the drowned fleet approaching the dock. With that, Ryan Lochte puts down the spyglass in surprise. He has to fight through the haze of rope smoke that is pretty much preventing his thoughts from really sticking to each other 24-7 because Ryan Lochte loves that rope. And he fumbles around for, I, I think you said it was going to be a flare gable that uh, they would shoot up. Yeah. Yeah. For a flare, he pulls it. And this flare crosses the sky from Nordia. And with that, the other lookouts also shoot off their flares. The air is filled with this light from the flares, alerting everyone who is aboard the Uhuru that a challenge is on its way. Jonnet, you are at the barriers, and you know silently that this is the case. I I just want to know, how does Jonnet react to confirmation that the Mariner's fleet is here?
1: He sees the flares he looks out towards the sea it's probably to a point where like he actually can't see it Mm -hmm. but we get maybe a shot of like his hand and you can see a tremble slowly start to take hold of like his arm and so he's like trying to get trying to relax himself um there's maybe like a little bit of like a a glowing hint beneath the bandana Mm -hmm. on him and he's like okay And so he turns around to the people working on the barricades. All right, everyone, uh, get back to your homes. Okay. We've, we've done all that we can do. All right. Finish up what you're doing. Finish up, uh, the project you've got and get out of here.
3: I I think the people like look to each other nervously. Um, I believe Adrian probably instructed them that the things that Jonet would say to them would be very important and that they should listen. But, she did also promise not to reveal that Janet was a prophet or an angel or whatever secret truth she suspects in her heart. They simply, the men and women and other folk of Nordia, simply nod, finish up what they're doing, and move quickly away, happy to move into warm and dry homes outside the beating rain that is currently pummeling Nordia. leaving Jonet alone, alone with that howling wind, alone with that falling rain, and alone with his thoughts of the future. We now move over to Gable. Gable, you see the flares go up. Probably alongside you, Wendell and Nodos see them go up as well. Uh, we see a cool little shot of the flares being reflected in your eyes as you Watch the sky. How does Gable feel about this?
0: They were anticipating that this would happen. Of course, it was going to happen. They are surprisingly more anxious than they thought they would be. It's a little bit too soon, a little bit underprepared, and more frightening than they could have imagined.
3: Yeah, Gable, how often does Gable actually fear going into battle? Very rarely.
0: Especially once they figured out nothing really
3: bad was going to happen. So you know that this is coming. You, you feel that concern into your heart. And we move down to Lower Nordia down to the shrine set up to luminaries where there are two figures locked in an embrace. Suddenly, Margaret's eyes open and she pulls back from the kiss. The pain of transformation is gone. There are still nerve endings connecting and reforming themselves in your hand. A tingle returns, but the majority of the pain is gone. Margaret looks to you, and there is a bit of fear in her eyes. He's coming. He'll be here soon.
2: Well, are we, are we done? Can we go?
3: Nearly. There's one more choice that you have to make. Something that I realized quite recently that is an option for you, and I wanted to ask you about it before we finished up. Do you want to be a man during the day or during the night? Whoa. While I'm rooting around (laughs) in there, I figured it was my purview to make a few changes. And from the stories that I've heard of the forest queen, she can be a little bit petty. So it struck me that there was a distinct possibility that, you were a man during the day because she was keeping you away from the night.
2: Well, that was... a different time in my life, and I have... not responsibilities, but... obligations that I need to take care of My, 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 is the man who doesn't age getting old. Ugh. I'm getting tired.
3: Well, I think anyone who shares a room with you for too long can sympathize with that. That's
2: why I have my own bunk.
3: But if you like, it's an option. If the day is yours and something that you'd like to hang on to, you can, but... I will say, I've enjoyed sharing nights with Travis Madigo, and perhaps you enjoyed living those nights, but maybe that's just a memory you need to keep, and doesn't need to become your life.
2: I've enjoyed them for sure, but I don't think it can be my life. They can't hide a rabbit in the middle of the day, every day. I mean, I think you could,
3: but. <laughs>
2: Imagine nice. them walking around town with a coyote. It'd be absurd. It'd be pretty badass. That'd pretty be super cool. badass, though. Yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty
0: cool.
1: Uh huh. We got a zombie captain and a coyote during the day. <laughs> That's
3: awesome. Should I switch? <laughs> really cool. That's up to you. I like. It's up to you, man. I well, think it's a, cool, both it's a cool option. Cool? Like, uh, I, I was trying to think, like, Travis definitely seems like the type of person who would be great, like carousing and drinking and and having fun at night. And it seems like y'all do a lot of like sneaky things uh, (laughs) where Travis, like you met with a broker at night and like Travis being like the, the mouthpiece for your group. Like it was very funny that he was kind of cut off from a lot of those conversations, but You know, I think both are good because the challenge is that you can have one but not the other. So it's always going to be interesting. Your call. Because I figured like, oh, this would be a fun, weird way to do this if we ever wanted to do
2: it. Hmm. I don't know. Do either of you have opinions? I could go either way.
0: I think it's fun to do things different and it's also, uh, you could play a good prank on...
2: Game. Oh, I was planning on it regardless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Do This entire Just like, oh,
0: thing. He, oh, I thought he, he did it. Oh, oh, great. This is fantastic. Yeah, because
3: the, the, the festival is going to end at the nighttime. So what this would mean is once Baganalia is over, if you keep on the normal Travis schedule, you will transform into an animal right away. But if you don't, you will have that fun lingering, like "Ooh, I did it."
1: This is all for one bit,
3: <laughs> for one With bit. This huge Listen,
0: character
1: shift. Which
3: we're thinking the way Travis would
2: think, and I really like that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's
2: method actor. Loves, loves bits, loves those bits. Um, my, I guess my biggest concern is just like anytime. Well. <laughs> Like, if we have crew meetings or anything, like, during the day on the ship, that would be harder.
3: Yeah. We can just do those at night. Like, I'm, I, there have been so many situations that we've run into where you have been an animal and everybody else has been people, like, working on things that, like there it's always going to be inconvenient. Like, I don't know if anybody in the audience has thought through this, it would be inconvenient to be an animal, a, a good portion of your life.
2: Like half unless, of your life, unless you were always an animal, you know, I don't think it's inconvenient for my cat, you
3: know?
1: Well, I mean, unless the cat's trying to do a human job, then it's always inconvenient.
2: That's true. <laughs> yeah. If Buster
0: was
3: trying to and
1: go, he's like job. trying to do masonry. Yeah. He's extremely Remember when Buster... bad at brickwork
3: when Buster ran that (laughs) high-stakes underworld negotiation, Buster really
2: struggled with that. Um, Yeah, let's switch. Let's switch then.
0: Who gives a shit? Fun, fun. Spicy. (laughs) Spicy, spicy.
2: Let's do it.
3: Well then, the night is yours. And with that, Margaret gives you another kiss. And in this kiss one by one, the candles around the room start to wink out. And you can feel now your hand just moving through different sensations that they are no longer painful. It's just kind of a, a weird calibration of, of feeling in your hand. You, you get the urge to, to move it about a little bit. And it's difficult uh, given that you are restrained in these ribbons a little bit. And eventually the last candle winks out and you can feel that surge of power that was permeating the room, that wave of emotion that was keeping out uh, the cold and wind of the outside fade away and the kiss ends and you are once more Travis Madigo, a changeling that has two
2: hands. Ladies and gentlemen, Travis Madigo. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a janitor
1: in the corner.
3: (laughs) 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 Well, Madigo, as much as I would like to discuss the terms of your payment, it seems that we are in mortal peril.
2: Yes, we probably should go. There's no way they could do this without me.
3: I am really, really hoping that's true. I'd love to see you in action. Imagining you as a dashing hero is its an interesting thought. But please, escort me back to Upper Nordia and to your ship. I hope... Perhaps you don't know the customs for Black Lilies, but it is customary to offer us passage if you happen to be traveling aboard a ship.
2: Oh, Sure. We have anywhere from 40 to 800 people on the ship. So what's one more? (laughs) Um, (laughs)
3: Margaret takes your arm and undoes like some of the ribbon work uh, that that is holding you together, unbinding you and walks you out of the shrine. Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the Midroll. I sure hope you're enjoying this week's episode. If you like this and you like Liz Anderson, you may be interested to know that next week One Shot is wrapping up our King Killer Chronicle episodes, of which Liz was a star. If you haven't got a chance to check those out yet, I definitely recommend that you do. The series is nine parts long in total, and I think Liz is amazing in it. Speaking of cool actual plays, this weekend, Saturday the 15th at 8pm Central Time, OneShot is going to be streaming an actual play of Wander Home, a pastoral fantasy RPG which is kickstarting right now. That's going to star myself, Jeff Stormer, Adira Slattery, Steve Descant, and B, Zelda. It should be super fun, so tune in with us at twitch.tv OneShotRPG this Saturday the 15th at 8pm Central Time. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Lizzie Donahue, thank you. Kevin Vaca, thank you so much. Hannah Troxel, thank you. Niam Fury, thank you so much. Thomas Bray, thank you. Sam Hoening, thank you very much. Steve, thank you. Fiona, thank you so much. Tim Gould, thank you very much. Vane Tazetta, thank you so much. R, thank you and marina middleton thank you so much thanks again to thanks again to everyone who supports us on patreon we wouldn't be able to make this show without you and now with all that out of the way let's get back in the sky We are out at sea. There is a chaotic scene as rain beats down from the sky. We see hands moving, hands that are extremely pale. Uh, it's difficult to tell what this person looked like before they acquired their mariner's mark, because now they look like a walking corpse someone who has been lost on a wash at sea. Their skin is bloated in places and withered in others. They look sickly and unhealthy, but we can see their hands moving as they have a piece of wire that one end is heated to be red hot between their fingers, which allows us a good view of the inky black spot on their skin that encompasses almost the entirety of their palm. And we can see this person moving this wire over to a cannon, a hulking iron cannon that is covered in rust and signs of other decay from the sea. There are right now areas of it that have salt water just running down it where the salt normally is caked on its iron sides despite the ill repair of this cannon and despite all the water these hands still manage to maneuver that wire into the ignition spot and we see in the air the bubbling burst of the cannon in a kind of slow motion instead of fire exploding out of the ignition slot and across the muzzle of the cannon as it releases the cannonball we can see green fire exploding from the cannon, propelling the cannonball forward we cut to a long shot as this green streaking cannonball leaves the ship from the harbor and moves across to the walls of Nordia. And I think it strikes not terribly far from jonet Kessler. Jonnet Kessler, who has bravely ordered all of the people who helped build the barricades, return back to their homes to barricade themselves safely indoors. We can see the cannonball streak and strike the wall behind Jonnet A sickly green energy fills the air and lights Jonnet's skin and fills his eyes with this terrible light from the sea. This is the ghost light, the thing whispered by Araners and those who live along the coast. The dread cannon fire of the Mariner and his fleet It possesses no properties that are more dangerous than mundane cannon fire, but it has that dreadful green light that lingers in the air after the cannon shot has done its grim work. You can see the rubble cascade around Jonnet. I don't think it's enough to do him any damage, and I think Jonnet is clever enough and has good enough reflexes to duck away from the falling rock and brick around him. But the air now around him is filled with this sort of green glow. It's not exactly light, but it does help you see in the darkness. Those who have been raided by the Mariner at night or under heavy storm always talk about it being difficult to navigate, but always easy to see the terrible things the Mariner had done. And that's where we're at with Jonet right now. Tyler, what do you do?
1: He sees this. The, the green light sort of, like, encompasses him. He kind of reflexively kind of tries to put something between his, like, he covers his mouth and trying to, like, maybe just, like, filter it out. And then realizes that it's not necessarily something that would, like, harm his lungs. But he's still very unsettled. And so, I want to say he like he looks around and sees someone from uh, Adrian's sort of apartment complex. I don't mm-hmm. know if I, I want it to be necessarily Adrian, but I want him to like.
3: Well, the, Adrian lived with an old woman. Um, that's
1: right. Yes, like, yes, in, yes, yes, in yes. House, So yeah, mm-hmm. um, the old uh, the old woman is kind of already on her way to uh, the, her home, but Janet runs uh, to sort of, like, give her a helping hand, uh, support her. He sort of shepherds her into the front door. Uh, are are you okay?
3: Th- this woman is old and terrified. You know, <laughs> cannon fire just came down. The days where she could deal with cannon fire in, like, uh, a way that was not to freak out are long behind her. And I, I think... They- you might have to work a little bit to to stabilize her like she could have easily had a heart attack at this not just cannon fire but ghost light cannon fire cannon fire from one of the mariner ships struck the walls of her hometown.
1: Okay. This I'm going to try and roll a leadership just cuz like out of game I just want to I want to get her into the house Uh, Make sure she's okay, and then ask her for a bottle of bad bog wine.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That rules. So, yeah, uh, I think a charm or something.
1: Yeah, I'll do that. Boom, bat. What's that going to roll? What's that going to be against?
3: I think this is hard. Um, John, you do have a blue die because Adrian has been, oh, you've got two blue dice. Two blue dice because everyone in Nordia, because you're a town hero. Uh, <laughs> remember that thing that we never got to pay off on, but that definitely <laughs> happened. There, There's that. <laughs> and upgrade one die because Adrian has just been saying such nice things about you such specifically.
1: Nice um, I already have, my charm is two yellow. Um, so that'll add think, a green in there. Oh, dope. Okay. Yeah, when you man, do you not. Or die,
3: to Out of green.
1: Earth this. Earth. Okay. All right. Yeah, come on. Let's play. That is going to total out to be two successes and one threat.
3: That rules. So you managed to calm this woman down. I think you can actually. Uh, like I, maybe your eye flutters open for a second and you can see that there is a chance that she would die like a, a very real possibility that the stress of this situation would be too much for her and you move in just in time but I think that is a stressful realization Jonat In real time, in this one moment, got a very real idea of how he as a person stands between life and death for the people of this town around him. If Jonnet was not here, this woman would be dead. The stress of that, I think, causes one strain for you. All right. But you are able to be that helping hand. You are able to calm this woman in this time of fright and uncertainty and guide her back to her home. Uh, the two of you step inside.
1: John, it doesn't even, he stands in the, the door frame and just uh, checks on her He's like, you're going to be okay, all right? Uh, uh, we're, we're doing everything that we can. All right, and 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 you're gonna remember this as the most eventful bogganalia you've ever had, you've ever seen. All right, you're. It's gonna be great. Okay, just stay calm, stay in cover. But I am gonna need one thing from you.
3: What's that?
1: I need a bottle of your worst bog wine.
3: She smiles like gives this sly old lady smile I always keep a bottle I always keep a bottle of the worst bog wine that I've ever found around just in case someone needs a lesson and And lucky for you no one this year did
1: trust me someone's gonna need to learn a lesson
0: guzzled at the stew and the bear and the wine for we with each other through the worst of times turn our bones to stone and our blood to brine for it's time to toast
3: the axle she hands it to you it's branded there, there got to be a lot of different <laughs> people who who make their bog wine what what's the what's the name of this bog wine
0: Kyle's Bradley's Bog bad Wine.
3: Bog. What?
0: Yes. <laughs> I think we both went for like white boy names. Bradley's Bad Bog. <laughs> I said Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bradley though. Brad's
1: Bad Bog.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you have this bottle of Bog Wine? He <laughs>
0: was <laughs> <laughs> dead the next morning. You gotta drink still the, of the wine! We slept with each other through the worst of times. When our bones are sown and our blood to brine, for it's time. Everybody! Everybody! And the beer and the wine, for we stuck with each other through the worst of times, and our bones to stone, and our blood to brine, for it's time to toast the axle.
3: It's got like a very if if anybody has a city with like a real kind of indie brewing tradition, it's just got like a super indie brewing looking logo. <laughs> uh, you know that there's gotta be some fucking hipster ass people in Nordia that really prefer and are connoisseurs of the Bad Bog wine. It's like whoever's into IPAs, they're into this Bad Bog
2: wine for Ugh. sure. The the logo is like an X. And then in each of the little triangles, the X makes is like a little. Oh
3: fuck yeah! You know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> God damn, hipsters love that shit. They, I've seen <laughs> yeah. that everywhere. They
1: love that X. <laughs>
3: it's
1: just, it's, uh,
3: but yeah,
0: it's full of symbolism and meaning. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: got it though. You got it though. Maybe we'll do a T-shirt that, that that's that X. Gross. <laughs> I hate
0: it. No, thank
1: you. And then each little triangle is a smaller X. Yeah. Each, well, uh, each little ooh. each
3: little uh, wedge is like one of the characters uh, from from campaign skyjacks, one of the main cast, and then we'll put a little X through drafts. Oh, so there's another <laughs> X in there ooh. that has even more meaning and symbolism. You know, really get
1: them.
0: Okay, James. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so uh, he takes this. He does like a classic, like spins it in the air one time, catches it, and then he like closes uh the door in front of the lady.
3: Cool. And we move up over the city again as we see more cannon fire streaking towards the city. The camera crosses that cannonball in the air and we move over to Gable. Gable, you're aboard Il Sanguedio. The wheel is complete. What do you do? Okay. And I imagine like in the meantime, because we we saw you at the end of last episode, like see like finishing up the wheel, I imagine like the ship is prepared to launch if you would like to launch it. yeah, I
0: think we are going to launch a ship. I don't think Gable is going to be on board with the ship, but I also think we mm-hmm. need more people than just the three. Um, oh,
3: so like I said before, there are more people okay. in this group. Those three are just the people who are taking on additional risk when you roll actions. But like there are untold members of the Uhuru crew, because if you fail a roll, there's a chance that instead of rolling one of the three people that you've put at risk, it'll be another random person on the Uhuru. Okay. Sounds
0: good. All right. Gable really quickly turns to Nodo's and puts two hands on his shoulders Remember, full firepower, as quick as you can. You are just trying to slow them down. The moment they start retaliating, you have to leave. You have to get out of there. There's no way to win. Promise me.
3: I I promise.
0: Drop ballast. I will follow your command. Okay. Ballast? Drop it. Drop all the ballast. Get out of range, drop, and then get back on shore. I need you here.
3: There's quite a bit aboard this ship. Uh, I do, do you wish to drop everything? Once we've run out of, of powder and, and, and cannon, do you wish us to just throw what we can? Everything. We could dump the cannons overboard. Everything. Strip Understood. it for parts. Then I have another question. Should we retain control of the ship?
0: You're the best. You're the best. You're. I don't know if I tell you this enough. You are the best. I, I've, I, I love you so much. I don't know if it's in that way, but oh my god,
3: you're. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. I. That was no, a
0: lot. No. 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 Okay. Now, we're gonna deal with that later. But yes, absolutely. Whatever you can do, stay safe. But. It's not our ship.
3: Notos smiles Notos always has this very particular kind of smile when someone has authorized him to do something risky and dramatic in a fight and it's a smile that he has made at you more times than you can count now and I think there is a bit of a handshake or, or gesture that nodos gives you Especially when you are about to enter a situation that could result in in your deaths, what what is that?
0: The kind of forearm claspy. Oh
3: yeah, I love it. It's classic. Yeah, yeah a good old fashioned forearm shake. Um, Wendell uh, with his powerful arm pats you on the back. We'll take care of it. Don't worry. Slam. Yeah. We we got this for sure.
0: Are you sure?
2: <laughs>
0: you can come back. It's okay. I won't say you're a coward.
3: No. No, I <laughs> I used to be a potato boy. And here I've become a sandwich man. Okay.
0: <laughs> I don't know what that means, but <laughs> All right. Thank you, Slim. All right, goodbye. <laughs> uh, and Gable runs off. Their plan is to stay on the beach for as long as possible because, of course, the army is going to be coming through there, and basically be the f- the front lines and hold off the forces for as long as they can and distract the mariner before radical he comes, before it comes in.
3: Then we see the furnace aboard Il Sanguidillo stoked as it is piled high with coal. And we can see there is uh, somebody who... It's Wendell. Wendell is like shoveling coal into the furnace for Il Sanguidio. And he's like looking at the fire. Uh, we can see it reflected in his eyes. Wendell is, of course, someone who lives for battle and probably wishes that he was down on the beach fighting alongside Gable, but, but knows that he's going to be seeing a lot of action here, too. And as he is studying this... Overly fancy furnace that, like, has parts of it that are even unmarred with soot, as Lorenzo Orenzi would always have them scrub the grate clean every time the ship landed. He sees hung on the side of this insulated furnace a small bag, and he reaches forward and opens it up, reaching inside he withdraws a small silvery sparkling nugget and he gets a broad smile on his face and takes one of the nuggets and tosses it lightly into the furnace uh, and then spins around and ducks as a huge, uh, like closing the grate, we can see an explosion of fire moving around the heat shield on the grate. And that explosion of fire creates silvery flames that jet up the tubing attached to the furnace into the envelope of the skyship as Wendell has just thrown a hunk of bright amber into the furnace something that burns incredibly fast and incredibly hot the ship jerks beneath him uh, and you can even hear a small tingle of the heart bell at the center of the ship as Il Sanguadio's envelope turns blood red in the few areas of it that have true feather weave and it takes flight
0: Cool, damn
3: it! But mm, there I is love
1: the ginger to- gingerly toss.
3: Yes, yeah. it's just like <laughs> a little. Uh, <laughs> then we move across the city as another cannonball has struck off its mark and hit part of the hillside in lower Nordia near the staircases where Travis and Margaret are approaching. Like Travis, you can see in front of you, this explosion of, of green fire and haze that comes out of where this cannonball has landed. Margaret does not have the same protections on you now that were holding back the discomfort of the wind and the rain simply because she is not the radiating nexus of power that she has been the last few days as she held your emotional problems as a mantle of power around her shoulders. And you can sense that she is tense, Whatever she does to control her emotions normally, she is not focusing on it as much right now as the mariner is right at your back. I don't have the strength to hold back the waters right now.
2: Well, good thing we've got bigger problems.
3: Uh, I, Matigo, I, I don't think you understand. I don't mean the rain, I mean the bridge. And you can see in front of you, like, the torrent of water crossing the bridge. If we are to get to Upper Nordia, I will need something. Unless, do you know any spells that can stem tides?
2: Of course not. No.
3: No. (laughs) Well, it might be something that you want to pick up. A
2: boat. A boat. Get a boat. (laughs) A pocket boat. Kind little boat. Yes, <laughs> a pocket. Yes, a pocket boat. What, what if Travis
0: all of a sudden came out right now? It's like, oh yeah, I've been able to do magic this whole time. Duh.
3: <laughs> Every, well, everyone in Sphere can do magic. It's a question of how good you are at it. Hmm. Not not everyone is Janet Kessler or even Gable Skyjacks.
2: <laughs>
3: she turns to you, Matigo. I will consider it part of your debt to me. That I am here. Do you understand that? Yes. Good. I will be gentle in that consideration if you help us navigate to a situation where we are not the first to meet. The landfall of drowned sailors who will be coming off the Mariner's ships, which means you will need to help me regain the power necessary to cross this bridge.
2: Sure, I don't want to be the first to meet them either.
3: Great, then I'll need you to give me whatever you can. It can be a secret would have to be a good one. Uh, it, it can be a promise. It can be something physical. I just need you to create something intimate between you and me so that we can get across that fucking bridge.
2: Um, is it possible to just fucking book it across the bridge?
3: Uh, yes, it, it would be possible. It would be dangerous. And I love it that travis is like no i'm gonna take this into my own hands we're not gonna do any more fucking magic because i have had a a fucking couple three
2: days i
0: don't i don't want to be vulnerable anymore i just want to run into water
2: Uh okay cool yeah then i know what i'll do okay great i promise i won't let go of your hand and then he grabs her hand and just runs
3: I love that. Oh I hate that rule. Bad
0: man. <laughs> oh, he's good. I ideas. want Margaret to he's join this good, ship, though.
1: <laughs> though. She's got she's got too much ammo on Travis. I like the rapport.
0: <laughs> he keeps on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. reliving the same scene in his life over and over and over. Again. Uh,
3: yeah, and I I think that is probably something that Travis is trying not to think about right now. As once again he stands beside Margaret, and their only escape is across a river. We return once again to the captain's quarters aboard the Uhuru, where we see piles and piles of mail sacks full of letters addressed to Oromar Vale and his crew. Before the captain's council now, there is a letter which is tied to a large sack. It is addressed to Mr. Kessler and crew. seems like this one came as a unit and it's for you. Uh... Oh yeah. John
1: it stands up. Uh, he pulls out a, a pocket knife and he goes to open it.
3: Stab it. Stab uh, it. So, stab it. Who was So he stabs what opened. Stab it. Uh yeah, well you you stab it. And like pulling your knife back, uh, you can see stuck to it are piles and piles of magazines that spill out all over the floor. <laughs> all of them feature etchings of Jonnet prominently on the cover, and many of them are extremely flattering and or windswept, and several prominently are embellished with hearts. Um, uh,
1: what is what magazine is this? <laughs>
3: Well, let's see. I'll read the letter here. Congratulations on your incredible performance at IAPIORA. You and your crew gave the attendees a truly great show for all ages. We represent Spear Glass Publishing, the largest printing house in Spear. You may be familiar with our general interest imprints, including Bird Fancy, Breeders Digest, and Corsair Mapolitan. However, we also publish a number of titles for younger set, including Griffin Beat, Teen Rogue, and Dream Boat Monthly. And Mr. Kessler, you have made quite an impact on our readership. Since putting you on our covers, we have seen a 200% increase in circulation, and our mail rooms are flooded with fan mail. We would love to have you come in for an exclusive interview and portrait session for one of our teen-focused magazines. You may bring in your crew if you wish, but their presence is not, strictly speaking, necessary. Though, we would prefer you have a parent or guardian present. Contact information is enclosed. Respectfully yours, Archibald Skivington, CEO of Spearglass Publishing. Wowee! Oh, man! They put my face on all these magazines
0: without my (laughs) written agreement or consent. No, they're profiting off of your image quite heavily, it would seem. Well, you're a public
3: figure. That's apparently when you become a public figure, just anything goes. It's two silver pieces per magazine. It's expensive. That's a wildly expensive magazine. That's like, <laughs> it's mostly ads. That's several months of paycheck in most jobs for one magazine.
1: Lajana well, whips around. Travis, Gable, will you
3: be my parents or
1: guardian and come with me? I don't I know. Don't
2: I don't understand how that would legally work, and I sort of assumed you were kind of your own dad.
0: <laughs> yeah, you. I been... figured you
2: just like divorced your parents or whatever, and you have a permission slip from a judge or a president or something that says you can uh, be an adult.
0: Well, yeah, I think I... I... yeah. I speak for all of us that we've been giving you. Little Life Lessons, but all of us have kind of waived the actual parenting of Jonnet to whatever.
1: Yourself.
2: Yeah, your we kind st- of thought you had it handled. Yeah. Hey,
1: well, no, guys, 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 don't worry about me. I'm fine, okay? I'm just saying, like, it seems like if we get to maybe tour the magazine, like the studio or the offices, I want you guys to be there. We might get some cool swag. Well, you'll maybe they'll
2: cool leave swag. the swag. Maybe they'll leave the printing press to you. I don't. Know what that, does that? That's... What Tra- Travis? <laughs> like what a, is that? <laughs> like a Willy Wonka thing? Because you're so pure-hearted. Like maybe maybe a rival magazine fellow will come and ask for you to give them the secret recipe to the to the magazines and you'll, <laughs> secret recipe uh, to deny print. it. Uh, and then and then the the uh, whatever the man's name is will give you the uh, the whole magazine. So Travis
0: is going to do a Willy Wonka thing. I'll do a, har- uh, a Harry Potter thing. Okay, where you go, you're going to go to the magazine place, and then the old magazine man will put you in one of four magazine houses, and then you'll uh-huh. learn all about magazines, and then at the end you'll graduate to become a, 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 a magazine wizard.
3: <laughs> uh, mm.
0: I didn't finish. We can, we can work we on graduate-
3: that part. <laughs> Actually, because he takes the no, last he year off
2: of school. He doesn't, yeah. No.
0: Smith, do you want to do one?
2: I, I think I'm going to engage with this premise some more.
3: No. Uh, <laughs> no. <I'm looking laughs> Absolutely at, not. I'm looking at Griffin Beat Magazine. Uh, a lot of these covers have you with abs. Like, pretty much all of them. What? Yeah. They photoshopped me. They did. It's really obvious. I mean, they're all etchings, and none of these are photography, obviously. Uh, But they definitely did put paste on some abs in these. Oh, man. You know what?
1: If if we do go, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. All right? I'm fine enough as I am. I don't need abs. I'm happy with a two-pack. That's nice. Well, I mean... Here's the thing. If there's any kind of like royalties or maybe some checks that they're holding on to, I will go by and pick those up. As it stands right now, I want to be on the cover of maybe a, uh, uh, wait, what was the, <laughs> there were so, so many they names. They got Griffin, Griffin Beat,
3: Teen Rogue.
1: Teen Rogue, Dream there it is. Vote Monthly. <laughs> Teen Rogue. Uh, that's great. I love now that I, one. I'm I gonna like be on the that.
3: articles in Teen Rogue. They're very political. <laughs>
0: Wasn't I'm just gonna say magazine? whoever whoever wrote this letter put a lot of work into it, and that's nice. But also, why you, why'd you do that?
3: <laughs> what? Well, what? I'm in you Hawaii. What are you talking about?
0: It's just when you put a lot of work into something. It seemed like it's, a cool vehicle you, to do you, a
1: lot of like magazine it's, puns.
0: It's very creative, and they put a lot of work into it. But like, kind of us being the kind of the wolves that we are you don't really know for sure that it's going to go well and i've done my best to make sure it didn't despite my best <laughs> efforts it has
3: so i'm just I, saying uh, like that's i cool. think they, they they found they saw a shot and they took it and it was pretty great now really? pretty yeah. great. i'll
2: speak for myself and my friend johnny o'maro when i say <laughs> who's that uh i we will you, meet him someday wouldn't that be fun That'd be a real that'd be a real dark tower. Um uh, I've never tr- I've never uh tried hard. Period. And and I'll tell you what, uh, overall it's turned out okay.
0: That's what I'm saying. You don't need to. If anyone ever feels stressed about putting in a lot of work it's like you don't know you don't need to no you don't need to sometimes I don't
2: know. it's fun to try hard yeah <laughs> sure, sure 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 i wouldn't know i I have plenty of fun not trying hard i could i don't think i could handle more fun travis
1: yeah what do you think it would be like to try 10 percent harder than you
2: are right now oh, exhausting <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you ever gotten into any sports? Every sport requires you to give 110% every time. I've never, I've never, I have never and I will never. Half of these interviews quote
3: Jonnett saying the only way he won Piora was giving 110% at every turn.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing. We were there too. It wasn't all the Jonnett show. Right, the, which is
3: why the game will have sometimes. Yeah, Madago, it looks like you're in this one, uh, and we can see a picture of Travis, like an etching of Travis, like ducking behind Janet and like moving his cup over, uh, moving his coat over his face. It looks like you're
2: intentionally trying to avoid attention. Yeah, I don't need the paparazzi on my back twenty four seven. In the interviews, though, you have a lot of controversial political opinions. Oh no!
0: Oh no! Well, (laughs) I do.
2: I like to. I like to keep people on their toes. I like to.
1: You want to avoid the paparazzi, but you want to (laughs) shock people.
2: Yeah, I'm a
0: provocateur. I was about to say, like, is a provocateur,
2: (laughs) which is strangely and truthfully one of the first words I learned in French, and the example of a famous provocateur at the time. Was uh shock jock, um, what's his name? What's his name? Howard Stern. The, the Howard Stern. <laughs> That's
0: wait, was that in a French dictionary?
2: It was in a French textbook, oh. and it was like, here's an example of a provocateur. This is how we'll stay relevant to the youth.
0: <laughs> okay, judgy. <laughs>
2: now, I but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes,
0: sometimes we just talk about, about it. Is that okay with you?
2: It didn't provide an example of a, a provocatrice, which would be a, a, a female provocateur.
3: <laughs> no such thing. I, I thought that was a provocateur who was a cockatrice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a, a cockatrice? Yeah, a cockatrice.
3: Yeah, uh, that's uh, the the cover of Bird Fancy magazine is actually a cockatiel with a bunch of very controversial political opinions. <laughs> you should interview that cockatiel. Oh, it's a meeting you know, of minds.
2: Another well, I am a different bird. The other thing <laughs> that I would like to say re birds is that I have I talked about how I've been getting into birds lately. Yeah, no, you
0: or your friend Johnny Omar.
2: What's the? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I just said. <laughs> Both of us, we we bird together. Um, but it's really fun. And I saw goldfinch in my backyard the other day, and it was it was magical. I, I heard got, goldfinch was disappointing and disjointed.
0: All right, Spiff. I don't
3: understand. We can what do that the next
0: couple one without without you. <laughs> We could do it. Go we can read it. things by ourselves. I don't know.
3: I think I've I'm the only reason it. we're engaging with the content
2: that people paid to put in the show. So Oh,
0: you think? Oh, oh you think that's that's the case?
2: Ooh, okay. <laughs> they, they know what they're paying for. <laughs> How could they? <laughs> All right, Janet. we'll we'll try to get you to one of
3: these offices so that uh we, we can do your interview and maybe And that's canon. Yeah. That's canon. Okay, now that's just part of the thing. I hope you hold me to that. I'd like to see you try it. Remember one thing about anything that happened. Spit. Get off of that desk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. That was my favorite letter that's been sent in. Really? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, are oh, you kidding?
2: Griffin Beat Magazine? Yikes. That's the best. Griffin Beat is very good.
3: Campaign Skyjacks is a one shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com, like Session Zero. Session Zero is a discussion podcast that seeks to explore the psychology of role-playing. Each episode will feature role-playing concepts, stories, and tropes viewed through the lens of psychology by clinical psychologist Porter Green and industrial organizational psychologist Steve Desconte. Be sure to join them on the couch for the next session. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter, at One Shot RPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter, at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y. P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter, at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers, who were fired by a private equity firm, owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes.
0: Health to the strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends near to rise
2: Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky